0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by the adventure of fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Davidson Brooks, and since moving to Hawaii, we have become solid friends. He is raising his six children with incredible grace, intention, and freedom. Enjoy meeting my friend, Davidson. All right, my friends, super pumped to be talking to my friend, Davidson. Davidson, we've been talking about doing a podcast together for a while. How are you today? I'm doing well. Dude, and here we are. Probably a terrible decision Two dads on a Monday at 823 at night. This is probably the time where we have the least amount of energy in the entire week.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I had a pretty busy weekend.
0: (laughs) Dude, Mondays are just always like, especially if Sunday's a restful day, I come to Mondays and it's almost like this, oh shit, I forgot how much I have on my plate. It's just like a reminder of all the things that I said I would do. What's Monday like for you?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Monday's come and It's like, it always comes way faster than you're prepared for. And you're like left to be like, okay, get my head around this week again, trying to settle things, get into the rhythm again.
0: Here we go. Yeah, dude. Well, here we are. We're smiling. So this is real dad life right here. All right. How old do you find yourself today?
1: <laughs> you know, I always listen to your podcasts and I hear that question. I think, man, like, well, how old do I find myself? I mean, there's days where like my body just feels so broken. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I definitely feel forty. And then I've lived a bit of a life, so I could imagine I. I feel like I've lived like ten lifetimes. I'd say I feel my age. Yeah, I'm not quite forty. I'm 39, but I'm right. It's right around the corner.
0: You're on your way, baby. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, how many years you've been married? Sixteen. Sixteen years. And you guys just have a couple kids. How many kids you guys got?
1: Uh, we got six.
0: <laughs> six yeah. kids got me beat by one and then all yeah. of them their names start with s correct
1: yeah yeah and is, is there uh, like
0: a reason behind that my
1: wife's a creative she likes patterns so i think originally prior to us even being married she'd always had the name Sela. and i mean she played such a vital part in our story with getting married so like Sela was there and then when we kicked off that name she does a lot of patterns so we have like middle names that all have y oh so really like, yeah we had the vision of five and then the six was a God story. But the reality was S's was the original because we always knew we'd have Sela, And then after that, it was like, well, every other name coming after this would have to be starting with an S. I like it. And so I, if it like was an R, we would have had every kid with an R. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that probably would have been harder, I'm thinking, than S. S probably yeah. gives you a few good options. So Salo is probably a good one to start with. And then what's the age yeah. range from youngest to oldest?
1: We had five kids in seven years. We had like back-to-back. And it's 13, 12, 10, 8, 6, and then a one-year-old.
0: And then you're done or what?
1: Yeah, we're done. I officially got it taken care of.
0: <laughs> Love it, bro. <laughs> All right. And then where do you guys live? We live down the road from you. We're up on the big island, Kona, Kailua, Kona. Now, your family has lived in a few spots, though. So, like, from getting married, yeah. what are some of the spots that you've lived?
1: My wife and I, we moved 27 times in the first 12 years of our marriage. Oh, my gosh. And so, gosh. We, like, yeah, that's not all location-wise. We just counted. Yeah, so, apart. like, what's the major, so moved. the
0: major areas?
1: The majors, obviously, Hawaii's been home-based, but we spent about five years on Oahu. My wife's from Oahu. So, we were there. And then we lived in South Africa, spent time in California, Colorado, Washington, and then the Big Island's probably been our longest stint. We've been here on and off the last 20 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then where did you grow up? I was born in Indonesia
1: and I spent about 10 years of my childhood there in different regions of Indonesia. So we were in the Highlands. I got flown in on a Cessna and like dropped into the mountains of Indonesia and we lived there with like pretty primitive till I was about five and then we moved into the city of Jayapura. And then we moved around a bit, but we settled in Texas when I was about 11, 12. I was there until two days out of high school when I moved.
0: Love it. What have you found just briefly? I mean, it's what you knew, but your worldview compared to others, A, as growing up, not in the States. And then second, something about your marriage, spending time overseas. How did that impact your guys' marriage in a positive way?
1: I think having spent time as a kid internationally and then coming back to the States, they have this term third culture where you don't quite know where you fit a little bit. So like you never feel at home necessarily in the U.S. or you don't feel necessarily at home mm-hmm. anywhere. So you have this natural itch to want to like experience cultural things. There's somewhat of an instinctive curiosity to culture. Being that my wife's from Oahu and she was born and raised in the same home and having a total different childhood. Yeah. But as you know, Hawaii is very cultural. It's not yeah. quite like the mainland. So when I came here, it was like, wow, this is like hitting just all my values. Like I have mm. culture, I have experience where there's a rich, deep culture. And then also like I have access to the U.S. and the opportunities that that offers. I think that answers your question. Yeah, Let me- totally. Okay.
0: So then what about when you guys were married and you went and lived in South Africa for a bit, you know, you're going somewhere different and she was raised here. Did you find that that brought you guys closer together, that the work you guys did brought you close together? Like talk to me about that for a minute. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was definitely more difficult for my wife. Mm-hmm. For me, like the more challenging the culture, like the more I can find myself engaging with it. One thing with transition, I found people to like lean into comfortable And so when you get overseas and you start living in that kind of environment, nowadays, we have so much access to things that can bring us home. Mm. You can be on Instagram, like online connective moments. But in reality, you're in another country while you're still experiencing your home life. Yeah. And so for me, I've made it intentional to like dive into the culture, go eat the food, go be with the people. I'd walk the neighborhood and spend time with locals just because it may not have felt like natural to want to do that but as i did i found myself really engaging with the place for my wife being in south africa it's a lot harder for women and so she can't naturally go do a lot of the things on her own Mm. it's just not safe
0: ah got it
1: and so it was a bit of a challenging place like had we gone somewhere maybe like we spent time in brazil and she thrived. Mm. it was a different experience but it's a lot of crossover with hawaii and brazil where South Africa, super different
0: Did you guys find yourselves leaning on each other a lot during that season?
1: Yes and no. I've done a lot of growing up since then. I think it's natural to not quite understand somebody's emotional challenging moments when you're so not maybe necessarily challenged by it. You want to say, just do this, figure this out. You know, why don't you do this? And so sometimes I can almost put a wedge between the relationship, whereas now I would be like, oh, I'd sit with such more understanding. But yeah, I think there's elements that drew us closer. Having those experiences, definitely looking back, have been rich. But I can imagine, you know, as you have had been through hard things, like it, in the moment doesn't feel too great. But afterwards, it's
0: deep in things. Yes. Yeah, dude, you know, you and I, which we're going to get into this to some extent, probably. But you know, we just did a camping trip with the boys, which I wanna talk about. But you and I had like a good hour and a half conversation all the way home from camping. It was just you and me in the front seat, the boys, I think, crashed out in the back seat. But talking about that sitting and understanding of your wife's emotions and really, I mean, some of those conversations can't really even happen until you're like maybe 15, 20 years in and you've done some work to dig into when there's those like freaking headbutts, which is going to happen if you are married to the opposite sex. Yeah you have choices, right? You can become passive and just kind of do your own thing or you can like dig in.
1: Yeah, I would say, I only think that I actually learned how to be married after 14 years of marriage. I would say our marriage, the level of relationship we have now in the last three, three and a half years, night and day from the first 14, you know, you have these pivotal shifts, like revelatory moments where you're just like, I get it, I connect, I understand now, I'm hard headed. I just didn't figure it out for so long. (laughs)
0: Dude, it gave me chills you saying that. So in case we don't come back to this, just because I'm sure we could talk for like three hours. If we don't come back to this, that statement, I learned how to be married after 14 years. Like that's heavy. If you were to tell a dude, what are the one or two couple nuggets of what was that shift that made it where like, oh, shit I know how to be married now not that it makes it all rainbows and unicorns but to be able to say that statement what are a couple nuggets that you had to dig into they
1: say like the road to hell is paved with good intentions like Mm. those first 14 years were, were paved with good intentions but inevitably in my desire to like try to redirect or correct or sit with my wife I didn't allow her a safe place to process emotion or experience challenge and because I would take it personal I would think oh well You know, I need to fix this situation. And I would take that as a burden and nobody wants to feel like a burden. And so naturally I've learned that if I was Mm. to encourage my son with anything like in your wife's process, don't take it personally. You gotta remain secure and keep a safe place to want you to be the one person she runs to when she's in process.
0: Okay, so bro, so when you and I were talking, I've been uncovering quite a bit of things lately. In my pursuit of really making my marriage a priority, one of the main things you and I talked about in the car was providing emotional security. As men, Mm -hmm. we are supposed to provide security, but emotional security. Last night, dude, last night, one of our kids had a little meltdown, pissed us off. Dude, me and my wife were on a high, bro, from the last couple of days. (laughs) And then I could see her walking around like full of frustration I could see it on her face. So yeah. I went up and I'm like, dude, what's up? You know, like calling it out, but I wasn't asking for you to tell me your emotion. I'm basically like, pull your head out of your ass and not let this bother you. <laughs> so then obviously the night fell apart. But then this morning, okay, so this morning when I was journaling, one of the questions I asked this morning is like, uh, you know, how did I not show up how I wanted to yesterday? And the, your words were ringing in my head like, dude. And so I'm playing back that moment of us standing at the counter where I didn't say pull your head out of your ass. but. In so many words, right? Like, whatever. Totally. I'm like, man, if I would have said something around, like leaning into what you had talked about, if I would have said, dude, like, what are you feeling right now? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? And gave her the opportunity to express that and not feel like a burden. Okay, that's huge. I didn't catch on to that. But that piece, because when I'm asking her, like, dude, what's up? Like, why are you? she's now feeling like a burden on top of it. So anyways, dude, this morning your words were ringing in my head and I was like journaling about it this morning, which which was good. It was good, but the emotional yeah. security was powerful.
1: Yeah. And I felt that. I think it. it's quick. I think it's quick <laughs> for years it was like I I could show up physically and be like I have the energy to show up in other ways, but I had no grid with how to even. I don't think a lot of men come into manhood mm-hmm. or adulthood with a real strong understanding of how to work through emotion our first emotion is just anger learning to know what's underneath that layer of anger is a difficult and slow process to work through you know
0: yeah and do you think it's possible to just figure it out or do you need to have somebody guide you through it whether that's a counselor a mentor who's been there before you conversations with other men like i mean what are your thoughts oh
1: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely think that like you need models. You need people. We're all products of people who have modeled things before. So my father modeled his way of handling stress and I operated very similar to that for years. And then other models, maybe coaches. I think the emotional piece. And when I went through the counseling process and understanding how to like work through that stuff, they would do practice sessions where you would actually practice the process and it changed really. One of the biggest shifts in my life, having been able to have someone walk me through that was incredible.
0: Mm, Powerful. And then the book you told me to read, which I just downloaded, but I haven't started. What's that? Redeeming Love? Oh,
1: yes. It's a fictional book. But when I was going through a hard time in my marriage and working through that, a friend suggested that it's just one of the most profound understandings of how to love a woman, how to walk in a relationship and be a man when it comes to loving a wife.
0: Guys. A lot of us are here listening to this because we care about fatherhood. And sometimes I think that's easier to care about. But one of the best things we can do for our kids is love our wives well and like fight Mm -hmm. for that, because it's going to make you feel like a man. It's going to show your son what it's like to be a man. It's going to show your daughters what it means to be fought for. So super, super critical. All right, dude, I'm going to kind of skip a couple of questions and I'm going to go into a couple of stories. One of them is you and I have known each other for about a little over a year now. Our kids are hanging out. You know, we've had some times hanging out. But one of the things that really impressed me was our sons got into a fight. And Mm -hmm. as a dad, I called you. I'm like, hey, this is what's up. You know, our kids got in a fight or one of us called the other, whatever. And I said... Hey, what if we got the boys together and the four of us sit down and in some situations, maybe that would work well, but I liked and respected your approach to it. And you, you have the suggestion of letting them figure it out on their own. And that was really interesting to me to not step in and just to step back. Right. So they're 13 and 11 at the time or something like that. Right. Kind of rolling the same crew. But what was it that kind of gave you that thought or foresight or perspective? Because they're homies again, like that was whatever, I don't even know how long. That was probably seven, eight months ago. And they're tight, dude, hanging out, sleepovers all the time, surf all the time, blah, blah, blah. What gave you Mm -hmm. that perspective for that situation?
1: You know, a lot of things I learned from my wife, if I'm honest. There was a few circumstances where I witnessed my wife actually share with my kid. And I thought, wow, that's profound. She has like a really challenging experience group and mm-hmm. a lot of tears and my instinct as a fault step in but like going back to a lot of what we had shared about a wife's approach was like let her feel it mm-hmm. this is part of life we're all challenged with hard things there's going to be people in our lives that come up and hurt you not just to come in and try to fix it, but like let them work through it. And as she did, she took the ownership, take her own power, empower herself to like handle the situation. And if we jump in too quickly, we take the empowerment opportunity for them to like see how they're going to handle it. Because if they can handle it in these small things, when they're young, when they're faced with harder things as they get older, and we've always come to the rescue in those situations, they haven't built up that endurance or that ability to like just have the capacity for even harder circumstances. As you know, as we face, as we've grown and gotten older, you're going to hit even more challenging opportunities. So it's not to say that you're not there for them and you don't let them process with you and you don't encourage in a correct direction. But when it comes to like, hey, let's just see how they play this out. Mm -hmm. And and if they take your words to heart and they they learn the next time they're faced with it, they had a win on their own, then that next time it'll be a bigger win.
0: Yeah. And even if they have a fail, if you're jumping in too often and you don't let them fail at it, then Mm -hmm. they don't learn. Damn it. I wish I would have done it differently. Because it's a lot different when you are the one telling yourself, I wish I did it differently. It's so funny, right? Because... But the you know, intention you had was right. That's right. what
1: I meant by good intentions. Even good intentions don't often are the best intentions.
0: Yeah. All right, dude. That's powerful. I love that. So interesting because you said you learned this from your wife a lot. I think yeah. I think a lot of men are... Nah, this is a guess, okay? My guess is that a lot of men would like to let their kids fail more, but their wife doesn't want to let the kids fail. And ladies, if you're listening and that feels like a total generalization, I'm sorry, but what are your thoughts? Or what would you say to the dude whose wife is like overly protective of the kids? How does he step up and go like, Hey, little Timmy needs to figure this shit out himself this time, or you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? How would you coach a dad in that process?
1: I would seek to understand their wife and then, Mm try to meet her with curiosity. And then as time goes and you have the opportunity, share your perspective and see where it lands. I mean, every circumstance, like you said, is different. So like there's times to step in. So my wife might say step in and you're like, no, we need to do this. And she's probably, she could be right. Mm. I think I know what you're implying though. There's always the one that's probably more inclined to like feel, especially when there's certain pain triggers. Like if you had a painful situation when you were a kid, And that thing really triggers you when you see your kid go through it. You're more inclined to like want to like comfort your kid in that process rather than let him feel it because you know how sensitive that is. It ebbs and flows. There's certain things that trigger my wife that I'm like, whoa, slow down. It's not always that she's doing that process. I am sometimes the one to like slow it down as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, So dude, here's the craft of fatherhood, bro, that you mm -hmm. shared. There is no right and wrong. There is no black and white as a father and in tune with the mom you said seek understanding now that doesn't mean that you will understand but but yeah but the intention of seeking to understand puts you in not a defensive place and then you said seek understanding and curiosity because if there's something that's triggering your wife about this situation very well could be from their own story, right? So what is it from their own story? And then how do all of you grow? And I think that's the piece that as a dad, if you can step out of your own, like you said at the beginning, talking about learning to be married after 14 years is not taking it personal. So even in this situation, stepping out of yourself, don't take it personal, seek to understand, be curious, and then assess the situation openly.
1: Yes, exactly. You put it into a formula for me.
0: Dude, if I did that every time, bro, there would be yeah. more peace in this house.
1: Right. I'm not oh, I do it right every time. I mean, I got 14 years of bad patterns, too.
0: But then again, we wouldn't be able to speak to it or engage in it or even mess up tomorrow if we didn't have all of the stories that we've accumulated.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Next story that really, I can remember where we were standing. That's how impactful. Mm. Okay. So I remember where I was sitting, the conversation about you, me and our sons, you and I were on the phone. I was in a rocking chair in my backyard, the right corner of the pool. Like it was an impactful moment. The second story that impacted me, we're standing out by your truck in my front yard, your truck's facing up the hill, the doors open, we're both standing in front of it. Like, I don't remember moments Mm. like this unless they're impactful. But I felt comfortable enough to ask you, it was something about, I know one of your children several years ago had a significant illness, but I never really heard Uh you talk about it as a family. And so I asked you, why is this something that's not like spoken of as a family? But your reasoning was remarkable to me. And that was, Uh it is our child's story, not our story. And so you can unpack why you did that, but I'll tell you, it shifted a lot because when people asked us why we moved to Hawaii, it was always, oh, because Brody's health, he had allergies, blah, blah, blah. So after that conversation, I went to Brody and I'm like, hey, dude, does it bother you? Like when people ask us why we moved to Hawaii and we're like, oh, Brody's health. And he's like, yeah, I actually don't like it at all. And that mm-hmm. never occurred to me. So whenever he's around, like I've 100% shifted my language to not make him feel like the reason why we moved here. So one, thank mm-hmm. you for that. And two, what was it that led you guys to that perspective? Well,
1: going back to, I think, to make it, so the audience knows, like, my daughter got cancer. She was diagnosed with leukemia when she was five. And as you can imagine, up definitely was a bit of a shocker. And we were coming off of a hard season. And then to have that was kind of the cherry on the Sunday of like, whoa, how are we going to walk this out? We're really a family of faith. So, like, with everything we do, tend to go to the, the Lord with it and ask him. Just obviously, like, I don't think we would have survived had we not. Mm-hmm. But in the moment that we were getting a lot of people calling and reaching out and there was quite a handful of people who had also had kids with cancer not everyone we knew but a handful of them reach out we started to follow them on social media and stuff and we noticed that a large portion of them would once their kid had cancer like their whole story would be about their cancer family and that's not to say that that's wrong for our families we prayed about it like we didn't want to give that much authority to it i guess I talked with one guy specifically as I was in process and his kid had cancer. And he actually made the statement was like, you know, this is your child's story. And that stuck with me. Yeah, And so it didn't necessarily mean that he told me that we shouldn't make it a thing. But I took it that way. It's like, wow, this really isn't our family story. Although it is. It's not to say that we didn't have as part of our story, because in your case, too, like it's not that you didn't move to Hawaii only because your kid had asthma. But it was a part of it. He does right. do better here. He is healthier. Yep. So it's not black and white. But like for us, we didn't give it a ton of attention to where all of a sudden our life was now shaped by it. Our family's life was shaped by it. And that's what I meant by like we wanted other things to be the highlights of our family, not just this cancer that felt like it robbed could have robbed so much from us.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in knowing your family, I mean, just a couple of cool things is that season is over. Two things. I don't think that from my perspective, it's not like it was buried like, oh, this is dark and we don't talk about it. It's not that. But it's also not the other extreme of, oh, did you know our daughter had cancer seven years ago? You know what I mean? It's like you're talking about, oh, 10 years ago this. And it's not bad to bring up in the context. But the point that I really like about it is you're continuing to live your life And yes, those things shaped who you are, but they're not defining or the core identity of who you are moving forward. And I just thought Mm -hmm. like those things are powerful. Just seems as though you guys processed it well. It's not Mm -hmm. something that's been buried and it's not something that's being drug along in a way that maybe would be not super healthy for your kid to hear you bringing up at every dinner party you're at or every new friend you meet.
1: Yeah, I will say this. With those circumstances in a marriage, especially like you hear those as being real crossroads for marriages, whether or not they're going to survive. Tiff and I have tackled all those challenges in a marriage. But that one, I think with grief like that, Mm -hmm. everyone grieves differently. My wife grieved differently than I grieved. And I didn't have language for this. Everything's in hindsight. But As we grieve differently, like it does disconnect you when you have somebody who may, like me, I withdrew from people Mm. in this season. My wife found herself drawn towards people, Mm. to like her friends. That can sometimes reflect on how maybe you perceive somebody's reaction to a situation. In our case, she'd be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, you seem okay. It wasn't just that we had it and we figured it out. It drew us into a really dark season as well. So I don't want to give it the impression that like we did it, we got it, we understood it. A lot that came out of that unfolded and the pain that surfaced and stuff did have its course. I would say now looking back, I don't really divulge information like that. But if you were to talk to me, it wouldn't be that there isn't an element of our story in that for sure. We definitely have our own story with it.
0: Yeah, but okay. so here's what I'm hearing, though. So it doesn't change anything yeah. that we've said because what you just told me cuz we went through it and I think that that's, so that's huge right that's good. so so some yeah. people don't go through it they just freaking yeah. bury that down or they don't deal with mm-hmm. it at all and so the thing is is like dang dude i bet it was so hard I bet it was Mm -hmm. so hard for you, for your wife, for your kid, for the siblings. I bet it was so hard. But to me, Mm -hmm. the way that you guys talk about it, the way that you show up as a family now shows me that you went through it, which doesn't mean that there wasn't a bunch of pain during that process. But the fact that you're still married, you're still together, it obviously shaped you guys in certain ways, but it didn't define you, I guess.
1: Yes. It didn't become our identity.
0: Yes. But the grief, like you said, you know, like the pain that you went through did shape the character of you, the mm-hmm. character of your wife, the character of your marriage. And I think that that ultimately, Without if, question. Yeah, if we have to go through pain, I mean, that's what we should be walking through on the other side is character shaping, which is total choice and total work. And I'm sure there was ups and downs through the whole thing. But from an outside family's perspective, that's what I see.
1: That's encouraging. That's good to hear.
0: Yeah, dude, third story, (laughs) third story. (laughs) I want to hear from your perspective. So you, me and two other dads had this idea that like our sons are going back to school. We want to have a father son weekend. I mean, dads, let me say this to you. Just to get the four of us to sit down and have a conversation about this took like six weeks. So I don't want it to seem like we just have the time. It was like, okay, what about this day? No. What about this day? What about, okay, Saturday morning at (laughs) 7am, we're going to meet and chat for an hour. Then we had like two emails go back and forth, a couple of chats, and then we just showed up with a basic format that we made Mm -hmm. and we did about half of it. I lay that out to go like, it's not like we met every Monday for three hours and plan this perfectly ideal thing. Most dudes don't have time for that. So I share that because you can do this too. just make it up, go make it happen. But (laughs) there was one experience we did that just happened to nail. And I would love for you to share from your perspective what we did. And then we could talk about it for a minute.
1: Yes. Oh man, I remember like you and I walking through the darkness, geeking out, like,
0: dude, we're doing it. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was so
1: good. It was so good. It was an accumulation of all of our ideas and we came up with this idea. It was about, I'd say three, four football fields. It was long. Yeah. It was this gulch that runs through a friend of ours' property where we had the idea to run a string from one end all the way to the other. And it's not a cookie cutter field. It's like you're cutting through, there's a cliff on one side. Breathe that you have to step over it. We thought, well, why don't we have them go out into the darkness, like pitch black, and find the string? The idea. What was the verse that you gave?
0: Oh um, man, terrible. But the verse was about fear not, trust in the Lord. Yes. Um, basically, find don't courage. let fear. Yeah. Find. Oh, courage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So we gave him this
1: talk around the idea of stepping into life is like walking in the darkness. A lot of your choices and decisions can feel vulnerable because. You All right, hang on, hang step. on, real
0: quick, because I felt like a total idiot. Okay, so it was Joshua one nine. It says, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go." So that was the verse. Yes,
1: that's the okay. verse. That's awesome.
0: So, um, no, I
1: couldn't remember it either. So, so we give them this talk, and we have this idea that okay, like though you may be stepping out into the blind, into life, and making decisions that you have yet to experience, you can trust in this. The Lord will be with you. That God will be with you we got them together. We didn't tell them what we were doing and we hiked them down and we had them be quiet. We made a serious moment. And then we had them grouped together and we took one of them individually and walked them about 50 feet away from the camp, with the group of guys. And then we divulged the idea of what they were going to do. And we had a bunch of staffs on the ground and the staff represented all the things they'd overcome up to that point in a way that they could take courage and that they have been in hard things. They have stepped into dark and blind spots in their life where they haven't known how to make that choice but they could take courage because they've overcome and they would take the staff and that could be a guide but basically we told them you're going to go we're going to turn this light off now and you're going to step out and about 50 feet ahead is a glow stick with a string and then that string will guide you all the way to the other end and then we turn the light off prayed for them we encourage them and then we set them off on their journey every time we do each kid then and I would just be geeking out like this is <laughs> so cool like these kids are these kids dude we were so impressed with them because yeah. they were scared there was a and when you turn that light off it was dark yeah and we'd, all, we'd always stay like up ahead of the cliff on your right so you gotta stay to your left
0: <laughs> <We're> like <laughs> it, use the stick in your right hand but... yeah use your stick and poke on the edge to make sure you don't <laughs> fall down the cliff yeah, they wouldn't have fallen to their death, but
1: they could have stepped over and yeah, rolled twenty feet,
0: and whatever. Yeah,
1: exactly. But every kid just went into it with such determination, and they, they, each of them would say, "Yeah, I was scared, like after the fact, but but I was like, yeah, once I did, I felt so it felt so good to get out there, and it was awesome. I think they were all really, really stoked on it.
0: Yeah, man, it was so cool. We had this moment before we went down where just hit the perfect night sky right it's like we couldn't have planned it yeah. and so we had this moment around the campfire and just out of nowhere we're kind of like what is everybody grateful for and it was like 15 minutes we went around and we're mm-hmm. just like ooing and awing over the stars and I think it's four dads and seven boys between the ages of like 11 to 15 then it was talk about courage to boys like dude i want to be talked about courage too i'm 40 you know And then we go and yeah, I mean, when Davidson and I would turn off the light, like right before we turn it off, you'd see, I don't want to say fear, but they were afraid in a sense, Mm -mm. but not one of them because we're like, okay, in 50 feet, which it turned out to be like 125 feet of walking with (laughs) nothing to the glow stick. And then they could grab this string and go the two other dads are at the other end. None of them said, I don't want to do it. I'm not going. As I kind of thought about that later, it's like, dude, our young men want to be called into, this is dangerous, you have what it takes.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: It's oh so my good. Oh gosh, it was yeah. so good. And then what was dope is like, these kids are joking and farting on each other and throwing mm-hmm. firecrackers at us and stupid, you know, annoying teenage boys. Yeah. But then the next morning they're off goofing around and then we're like, hey, we're gonna journal about last night and I tell you, man, we asked them a couple of questions and each one of them showed up with something that impacted them from the yeah. night before.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it was too. When each kid, we drew down and we would sit with them and share with them the vision of what they were embarking into. It felt sacred. Like each kid, mm. you could feel it. You could feel like something welled up in them where there was, and I don't know what that is. Like when we step into life and there's something fearful and as adults, even when you're in a hard thing and You have one person encourage you to say, I believe you can do this, dude. Yeah. You can get through this. When someone believes in you, there's something that draws an emotion in you that it may be something there where you're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. they believe me. I can do this. To have two dads standing over them, just encouraging them like, yeah, you got this. You're going to get to the other end.
0: And that part we made up on the fly, I want to encourage dads to just go create the space. If you create the moment and you're in the moment, this is something I've really been leaning into is like, if we planned, okay, from six to seven, when we're doing, you know, cause we played capture the flag, but it wasn't at the exact time we said we were going to do. And then from six yeah. to six we're doing this. If you get too caught up in doing it right. Yeah. You will not be present. You will not be in it. And so if you can show up and create this space and in a sense, just be in tune with the moment. And that's why I said, we only did half the ideas we came up with because we realized, hey, it's not the right time to do this. Let's do this next time. Mm-hmm. Because some of it is just the playing the capture of the flag and goofing off and shooting guns and do whatever it is you want to do. Some of it's the in between the other moments, but something that you yeah. said, it felt sacred. Felt sacred. We couldn't have made that moment. That moment happened because the space was there.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. It was definitely a sacred moment. It felt really, it was impacting me as much as I think it was impacting the kids because I was going like, this is my boy. Yeah. Like he is. And the imagery of it all was so profound in that in reality, he's going to go into life as he leaves the home one day. And he's going to hit hard situations, hard obstacles. And I hope he recalls this moment of like, Oh yeah, my dad reminded me of it to be courageous. I'm not Mm -hmm. alone. And I am walking into this, but to find that I have overcome harder things and I have stepped into hard things. And, I made it to the other end. I'm like, man, if this could be those moments that he could look back on and be like, oh, yeah, when he's facing those real challenges, that are going to shape him.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other thing that's really important is there wasn't a leader of this. Us four dads are all men who are pursuing, working on ourselves, working on our marriages. And so when you and I stood there and spoke to a kid together, there was something powerful to work together. I have a great picture of Jesse standing around the fire at whatever, nine o'clock at night, no shirt on. He stood up to share a story that was like, whoa, bro. Yeah. And then the next day, you know, Josh led a little morning devotion on something. And the thing is, is dads, you all have something to give and not just to your own kid. But to your neighbor's kid and your brother's kid and your friend's kid, like Davidson had words for my son. After he spoke, we spoke to my son and sent my son down. Davidson, always like, we're always like, dude, that was so sick. Walking back, trying to be quiet because we want to keep it like somber for the kids. But I was like, hey, dude, thank you so much for what you said to my son.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's the elders, the tribe of elders speaking over our kids.
0: Yes, yes. Your kids need a tribe of mentors. mm, Yeah, dude. So good. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and then we'll see if there's any last stories you want to share. So this podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes, right? And you're already doing it, Open up your life, sharing your field notes, sharing some stories. But the mantra behind it is rebel and create. What's something you're rebelling against, fighting against, but not just to be rebellious, to create something beautiful out of it? And when you think about that, is there anything that you're rebelling against? Could be having your phone at the dinner table on a Sunday Mm-hmm. You, I'm rebelling against, you know. Yeah. And then, what do you hope to create of that? Is there anything that comes to mind? When I think about rebelling, I'm like, I really,
1: truthfully, honestly want my priority to be a husband and a father first, beyond anything else. There's times where I will f- be faced with just selfish moments. You know, I want to rebel against those selfish mm. moments that come up against me to say, "I deserve this." I justify. My desire to go on to do this because look at all I do. It's usually when my emotional tank's down or I'm Mm. pretty exhausted and I haven't maybe led myself well in my rhythms. I just grow selfish and I'm like, I want to rebel against that selfish instinct to want because there'll be time for that. My kids' lives will go by in a flash and I'm like, I can suck some of these things up. For the next 20 years, I will have... So I'll never look back. I, I remember saying this to myself. I'll never look back and be like, man, I wish I worked more. Yeah. I wish I would have gone in more man adventures. But I will look back and think, man, I wish I had spent more time with my family. I wish I had poured into my kids more. I'm rebelling against that instinctive, selfish desire in me to want more of myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So what's something that you do when you find yourself, because all us dudes were like, we'll get caught up in like, God knows what, fishing or golf or whatever. And I was saying don't do those, but the amount of time that we can obsess learning about like a lure or a golf Mm. club or a surfboard or these forks for my dirt bike. (laughs) It's crazy, dude. We can get so gnarly about something. What do you do in those moments to be like, oh, dude, this isn't what's most important to me.
1: Yeah, luckily, I've really come to terms with a lot of that years ago, the hobby related stuff. I may choose to like, set out on an adventure every three months or so for myself. But beyond that, I'm pretty much locked in with my kids. And I enjoy my moments. If I'm doing something like that, I always wish I had my son with me. I know, know? right? Yeah, and so totally. It's, work can become a challenge for me. I'll get into the grind and think, oh, I could get this next job and make more money or I could do this and that'd be good. I really have to put some boundaries up in that department for mm-hmm. sure. So for that one, it's like for a long time, I'd work weekends and I stopped doing that. I don't touch Saturdays and Sundays. Okay, if I'm honest, maybe two times a year. But for the most part, I really try to lock that in.
0: One last question before I ask my final question. And that is, because you and I are closer, so we kind of know each other. We know how we're raising our kids. It's like there's this wrestle of how to raise your kids in some light, school, home, school. Mm. Does any of it matter kind of thing? Yeah, Uh, we talked about that. (laughs) So with this, When your son is walking out of a house, okay, at whatever, 18, 19, 20 years old, what do you want him to know? When he's walking out, what's the couple things that you're like, as long as he knows this, that's all I need him to know?
1: I mean, I always say like academically, unless I saw like a prodigy or some sort of genius in my kids where they're like academically, which up to this point I might see that in one of them where they're like really engaged with school I just would ideally like them know how to read really well have a passion for learning passion Mm. for problem solving basic math but I think the main things is like I want their character in line. I want to see them be kind respectful I want to see that those character elements really there I do this thing where I'm Pulling out a life skill a month where I want to see life skills, time management, like Mm. certain things that this month. So that's kind of why I said that one specifically, but. You could go down the line, public speaking, things that you want to just challenge them with to like have life skills, all around life skill elements that they can go out and be pretty secure in. Yeah, that's good. Character, know their values, those kind of elements. So
0: if you were to say character, what are three words you would say to to nail down? What does it mean to have the character of the Brooks family?
1: I mean, we're big on kindness, respect. My wife would be really good at this. She's so intentional with that stuff. I would say something that really defines the brooks family like i would hope to think that if people were to walk away with being in our presence they would all come away having said man i feel better having been in their presence i feel <laughs> more encouraged i feel more encouraged i feel empowered Dude, in a way. okay
0: like, bro here's why i laughed here's why i laughed because like you yeah you are like looking up, kind of like, ah, oh man. If we were I'm looking at you, up. yeah, yeah, you, it'd be like this guy is struggling through what to say. That's how you feel, maybe. Yeah. But here's what you said, dude. You said kindness out the gate, which I was just mm. talking to, to my wife the other day, and she was saying something about this. About at the end of the day. Like, if you can just be kind to me, she was referring to somebody else that that kindness to mm-hmm. be kind to somebody. So if that was your words, be kind because yeah. to be kind means you're not being selfish ultimately, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. you said kindness. Then you said respect, which again is honoring yeah. somebody else. And then I love it. You're like, dude, I wish my wife was here. And to me, that <laughs> means you guys are aligned. You rely on each other. You're not like, oh yeah. So the Brooks are boom, boom, boom. You took a pause and you're like, dude, I not that I can't have a voice without my wife, but we are one. We answer this stuff together. So I think that was a killer mm-hmm. one. When you ended it with, when people leave our presence, meaning that you're present when people are around, they feel better about who they are. Dude, what's more beautiful than that? Respect, kindness, unity with a spouse and being present. So I laugh because I go, those things are 100% in you. They are things that you're doing. And I think that they're so powerful, which really, dude, answers my last question, which was what's the legacy you wanna leave? And I mean, you can answer that question a different way if you like. But to me, you answered it in what you want your kids to walk away from your home with, mm-hmm. dude. I learn so yeah. much when I'm with you, bro.
1: I feel off you, man. Honestly, I tell, I tell someone other day. I was like, man,
0: when you get around Ned, don't you just feel motivated? <laughs> Like I don't
1: know if that's good. Well, I feel like, oh man, like you write, you kind of draw this. Maybe this is like what coming away from you is. Like I feel with a desire, break off the passivity and be like, man, go get it. You have more in you, like, and it's encouraging because like seeing you, watching you live your life, you were so intentional. And I mean, I don't think that camping thing would have gotten going. Obviously, when you you were the one intentionally said, let's get this thing going and led that out really well. So it's mutual, bro.
0: Mm, Well, thank you, dude. Thank you so much. So before we go, is there any last stories that we, I'm sure we could do a podcast a year. We probably should. Is there any last stories now though, that we didn't touch on that you're like, man, I would hate to have missed saying this.
1: No, but I just would say, given that there's a father podcast, I jumped into your program, Adventure Fatherhood. Is that the course? Yeah. Uh, The Adventure Fatherhood course we did about a month ago. We just finished. And one of the profound things I got from that was we're not just fathers to our children. Like it's an embodiment. This afternoon, I have a bunch of housemates. So my house is a double story and we rent the bottom and they're all young college kids. And I'm outside working. I'm busy I'm trying to get stuff done. And this kid rolls up in his moped and he's probably 20. He starts to like tell me that, dude, I got to tell you something, this story that just happened to me. And he was visibly shaken, looked like he mm. was even emotional thinking like about the situation. I was like, you know, wow, like I have an opportunity. to. I've been through life. I'm older. I have an opportunity to, to play that embodied role of being a father. I remember in your course, having heard that, I was like, wow, that's really how I should go and approach and walk about my life. It's not mm. just to my own kids, but live with the intention of like, there's so many fathers, young men, young adults who could also use some encouragement. and. Some presence, fatherly presence. Dude. I hope that story lands.
0: Yeah, no, it it lands and it hits me because like I have this, my journal in front of me and I have this page. I've been like, what is fatherhood? Continuously digging into what is fatherhood. But when you say that, what really hit me is the simplicity of I'm available. To embody being a father is I'm available for you what do you need? How often do we walk around our life like that, dude? I'm like walking around, like, how do I grow? How do I learn? How do I make my family better? But to be like, there's a kid on a moped, hey, God, how could I show up right now for this guy? What does he need? And just be there with open arms, like, dude, that's the embodiment of a father. And I think what a great way to end this conversation that if we can just have our eyes open to the opportunities that come before us each day, then I believe that God can entrust more opportunities to us because it's like, hey, if I send that kid down the street of Ned or Davidson, that kid's going to be seen. He's going to be noticed. Yeah, He's going to be listened to. Yeah,
1: You can imagine when you're 20 and feeling the need to just feel firm. You're doing it. You're doing a good job, man. And I feel like, I want to be that for young men. Hey, you're doing a good job, dude. You're making it through life. Life's hard. I think a lot of young men just are hungry and really eager for that.
0: So hungry, bro. Just for somebody worthy of following a leader who will listen to them. So, dude, I'm going to ask yeah. you my last question and you can kind of answer it however you want to. But imagine 50 years from now, 50 years from now, you're coming up on 90. You're still surfing. You're still fishing. <laughs> and yeah. and you, you, look, yeah, you look into the homes. Okay, so one time we were surfing in uh, trussles and there was this guy out there, and he was 87. No joke. It was amazing. Okay, legacy question. Imagine 50 years from now, you're peering into the homes of your children. What is it that you see being played out, and you go, dang, yes, a smile's on my face because I showed up. What is it that you see in their house, in their homes?
1: Mm, Man, just sharing that imagery it makes me emotional, thinking about my kids that far out. I would imagine I'd like to see a safe place, mm. a place that they could cultivate something where their kids are drawn into their home and desire to feel as though if I could be anywhere and want to be here. Just them sitting around laughing and enjoying each other. And my son's being that emotional support and that strong powered man. And the wives mm. like looking at them with that level of respect and the passion in the eyes, it would just all be, I would say for me, if I think about it, it's not like the house or the physical things. It's always that emotional piece that I could, I would love for them to just feel safe in that home where they all feel that presence of warmth of love and deep relationships with God. And they're and they're all encouraged by each other. And I don't know how to answer that correctly, but I think that's the emotional piece I would love to see. It.
0: Dude, okay. So check it. One, Davidson, the work that you have done, your ability to be present as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, like, dude, you clearly have done amazing work. And I would just speak life to you to go, dude, own that. Because you said some beautiful things. And then you're like, I don't know if I answered that correctly. But it's like, dude, you just spewed gold, bro. Well,
1: I think because with emotion, it's so vague. And I'm like, I don't know how to give that language.
0: It's so vague. But these are the things I wrote down. A safe place. And you Mm. said cultivate, which means that you have built this. Like this takes work to make a safe place. It takes work. So you're like, dude, my kids did the work. And then I love this sentence. Like how beautiful if I could be anywhere, I want to be here. Mm -hmm. And for you to create a place where, you know, I've always said this to Sarah, I want our kids to be able to walk in from the chaos of the world and just take their shoes off and just lay on the freaking middle of the floor and just feel like I can just be so safe here, lay it all down Mm -hmm. no matter what happened today. I know you're building that in your home. I know my kids feel it when they go to your house. So, dude, keep pursuing life the way you are. I'm honored to be your friend. I'm honored that Mm. our kids are friends. I look forward to all of us cultivating deeper, long-lasting relationships around the island, around our creator, around family. So, thank you, dude. Thank you for sharing your life on here with me on a Monday night dude. I just look forward to more conversations like this recorded or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's been rich. I definitely, definitely enjoy our times together. We always go on and
0: on and on. And anytime
1: you're getting, you'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pull up to my house. I'll pull up your house, drop a kid off. You'll come up to the window. I'm like, Oh man, we could be here another hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Almost. we're both usually like one eye slowly asleep. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, dude.
0: Dude. All right, yeah. bro. Until next time. Peace. What an incredible conversation. I so love this man's family, his kiddos. I enjoy getting to do life with their family. What really stuck out to me in this conversation was, one, not making people feel like a burden. This came up in our conversation about marriage, but it kind of got me thinking the things we say and do, in what ways are we being selfish and then making somebody feel like a burden? So that really stuck out to me. The other thing that I really enjoyed, you know, whether he did it intentionally, or not, he really leaned into this deep connection he has with his spouse in really operating as one. You know, they're both individuals, but there's a unity there, something that I think many of us long for in our marriages. So really, there was a couple moments where that really stuck out to me. The last thing that really stuck out to me that I want to make mention of is letting your kids feel the situation that they are in and then empowering them, not doing it for them, empowering them, and then not necessarily putting up guardrails or catching them to a degree where they're not feeling the situation so that they can learn from it. Now, dads, that really requires us to know who we are. Okay, now the world would look and feel different if men showed up in their identity to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. And this is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. So please go check it out, adventureoffatherhood.com. You know, it started with a kid's book with a gift box for a new dad. And now we have rolled out courses on fatherhood introductory course discover fatherhood course as well as some other courses in there to help empower fathers to understand who they are in their homes i want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and creates fatherhood building those podcasts what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs This is your guide, Ned. Shout together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.